we're all villains here. We've all done horrible, terrible, horrific things. But now we have a chance to do them for a good reason. I'm Chris Spivey. And I'm Eddie Webb. And today on Journalist, we talk about fucking Loki. Good morning, everyone. Even if it's not morning where you're at, it is early morning for me. So that's how I like to start. <laughs> and, and certainly starting with a, with a certain tone today. <laughs> oh, I think it's pretty well known. My feelings on Loki. If, if anyone has followed me on social media, I was not a big fan of the Loki series. Mm. And a little, I guess, behind the scenes stuff. So much so that Eddie, I think, had a feeling I wasn't a fan. It's like, we could just not do the Loki show. <laughs> but... The semi-completionist in my soul says, no, I, I think we need to cover it. And if I was a complete completionist, we would have covered the what if series, which we're not going to do. So if you're waiting for us to dive into what if, right, maybe as a Patreon special someday. Maybe, maybe who knows? If lightning strikes. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's... Uh, there's an undercurrent uh, of, of concern with, with the Loki structure. Uh, um, I, I don't know if you want to dig into that a little bit, just so we can kind of get it out of the way, or if you want to just yeah, it. let's let's just start at the top. So if if someone wants to hear our real thoughts about the individual episodes, they can. And if you want to hear like more in depth thoughts about some of the issues that I think I personally have with it, you can listen to this, or you can skip ahead. Maybe what? How long will I rant? Maybe five minutes. Almost half an hour, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, when I first watched Loki, it felt off and wrong. It took me a couple episodes to put it together, but Loki, in my opinion, is a reverse enslavement narrative with white saviors. You have your power structure that's primarily black people enforcing religion and control onto primarily what we see for our show, white protagonists, even though they're, they're evil as fuck Loki, mm -hmm. regardless of what you think, if you think Tom Hiddleston is a, is a charming chap, the character of Loki is evil, especially the iteration of Loki that we have, which comes from the end of the Avengers movie where he literally has killed tens of thousands, if not millions of people with an alien invading army. That is our baseline Loki that we have. Right. And the story itself, to touch back on the reverse enslavement narrative, has the colors, it has a forced religion, it has them losing their identity, it is them torturing equivalently people to do what they want them to do. And it's told from the lens of having black people doing it to white people is what we see. So then mm -hmm. when you have Loki do something that is damaging or even torturous to, I don't think it's like Hunter B-15 in the first episode, it gets a sort of revenge back, you sort of get a cheer moment for that. Mm -hmm. And I could go into more depth and detail with it, but I will give Eddie a chance to speak rather than ranting. I'm, I'm trying something new in my, my old age. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. But um, I mean, that's not even touching on the fact that um, Loki comes from mythology that has been to a degree co-opted by white supremacy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you have a, 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 a adjacent symbol to white supremacy who's overthrowing a, a, a black authority. 
so it, it gets pretty uncomfortable at, at a high level, which is a shame because there's a lot to like in this show. Uh, but it, 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 it's, there's this shadow over it that that's really hard to just ignore. And coupled with the fact that Loki, I think even in the comics now is established as being a bi character. I think they played with the concept of Loki being transgender because Loki shapeshift and all these other things in the show itself. Mm-hmm. It gives like the faintest of nods to that could have been a possibility with Loki and other princes, but then it is quickly dropped, never mentioned again. And he and Sylvie proceed to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So they're even sort of like give you that nod and then they erase it almost instantly. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, on one hand, you could see the kind of, you know, Jumping into the episodes, as it were, but I mean, you know, on one hand, you know, the idea that Loki is fallen in love with a female version of himself says a lot about Loki's psyche and how obsessed with himself that he is. Uh, so it's like I see what the intent is there, uh, but you're right; it's it's kind of lost in a show that it's a little unclear what it's trying to do. And it's, I mean, given it's a, it's ultimately a time travel show, it being a little confusing is not necessarily bad. Um, And that there's a central mystery to what's going on. Again, it's not necessarily bad that the audience is lost. Um, But kind of like we talked about with WandaVision, even structurally, it's, it's kind of leading towards the big superhero punch up moment. Um, Although maybe slightly better in this case, we'll talk about that. Uh, But it's, it's so laden with symbolism that you can't, it invites you to look at the other symbolism of the show that is unfortunate. So like it, it's, it's, it's meant to be a surreal show. You know, it is kind of Lynchian in that regard, I will say. Um, well, not quite the accurate thing. It's more kind of, of uh, other archetypes, but um, in the sense that it is a surreal show, it's meant to be a little kind of, fourth wall adjacent um it's meant to be something that plays with with uh, uh symbols on a much stronger level than some of the other shows have done uh so when you have kind of unfortunate load-bearing narrative along with that this isn't a case of okay we see this but we can kind of look past it and enjoy the show it's the you know the show is inviting us to constantly see these kinds of things so we have to keep seeing it and one of the things that bothered that still nags me in addition to what I mentioned before is for Sy- Sylvie's character, we never get why Sylvie is a variant at all in this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to the only potential reason that you could come to just from context in the show about them discussing it is that, that she was the only female Loki, which, and if that's the reason that she's a variant, and they're hunting her down, trying to kill her. That in of itself has a whole other amount of baggage associated with it. Right. Um, because, uh, the, again, the show, I mean, this is the first show that really introduces the multiverse to the MCU. Uh, and so the idea of there are different versions of yourself throughout the universe exist. I mean, we touched on it a little bit in WandaVision. It's kind of the first peek into it, but now we're actually getting to the proper, okay, this is what a multiverse is. Um, but the show does sometimes say, here's why this variant, because there's this, you know, 
you made the decision versus that decision, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. But then other times you have variants that are just like, it's this character, but different trait. Uh, and so, again, those can coexist, but when you're pansexual, gender fluid representation is basically but girl Loki, um, that that's and there's nothing more there that that's just frustrating. And to have it to be one of your main characters and not give that additional context is infuriating. Mm-hmm. It's not like Sylvie was a side character that only showed up for a brief moment, which then would have sucked in and of itself. Right. But if she's running around with who to be our main, to be our primary Loki beforehand as equals, then they should each have equal amount of backstory given. Right. Mm -hmm. But the reality is this is Tom Hiddleston's show. And that's not necessarily good or bad. This is the actor that we followed for 10 years with this character. So naturally he's going to be a center of it, but you're right. When you promote a variance to second lead, the implications that you'll do something with that, especially if it's something that clearly Marvel wanted to tell that story on some level, because if you look at like um, at the, title sequence, which is at the end. I don't know what to call that ending title sequence. It's, it's a weird structure thing. Um, but there's flashes of the different files and it does say that Loki uh, you know, is, is gender fluid and pansexual in the screenshots. So like, this is clearly something Marvel wanted to tell. This isn't an accident. They didn't stumble into this narrative. Um, whereas I believe they absolutely did stumble into the reverse slavery narrative. Um, but this is a story they wanted to tell and they still just didn't do anything with it, um, which is a continuing frustration we seem to be having with superhero media as we go through on this, this, this path in the sense of there's a lot of times where there's accidental or unintentional symbols that we call out. We, we very early on, we talked about how the inherent fascism of superheroes is a concept. Mm-hmm. Um but that's not something that clearly is intended. But then when these shows say, okay, no, we're actually going to engage with symbols on some level, they, they it's, it's, it's very hit or miss on whether they'll do something meaningful with it. Like it's, it's kind of scary that the boys is one of the shows that seems to be more consistently able to engage with that. We may not like the result of that, but at least they're 100% committed to what they're looking to explore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and not to defend Disney or the show at all, I would say that the boys has the benefit of it's not not caring, but being dedicated and assuming their core fan base will go with them regardless of what they do. And to some extent, that is true for them, and it's worked out well. Uh, I want to say the Mouse House has the exact opposite. They're trying to bring everyone on board with something and mm-hmm. get all of get all of our get all of our all of our dollars, and so they can't fully engage with something and then if you want them to take that step it is it's frustrating and it makes me want to disengage and no longer give them any of my money right um what i think we're seeing here because uh, we have we're now in our fourth show uh fifth shows by that um of, of the disney plus ones um and these all came out within like three months of each other and we talked about how covid delayed some of the productions and blah blah blah, blah but the reality is, is all of these shows were made very quickly and, and oftentimes simultaneously. Uh, and so 
they're not – I don't think there's a lot of attention being paid to certain aspects of it, uh, including in the, the storytelling of it. Um, yeah, it's not consistent for all of it and certainly not consistent for the MCU as a whole. There have been some some fantastic films and shows uh, in and adjacent to the MCU. We've talked about some of them. Uh, but I think what we're seeing here is a show that feels like, okay, we need to give Tom Hiddleston – some money plus we need to introduce the multiverse plus here's a checklist of other things that disney wants and let's make a show around this checklist and again i'll, I'll reiterate there's some parts of this show that i genuinely like and i think are actually interesting but i i'm with you in the sense of it's it i remembered enjoying the show after watching it uh but it fell out of my head almost immediately after watching it. It's, it's a vague sense of, I think I enjoyed that. Uh, or in your case, you know, I, I, I think I'm deeply uncomfortable with that. Um, but it, it, we're reaching a point where it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't want to make you think anymore. Whereas some of the previous shows we've watched, WandaVision absolutely made people think. Um, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, there was a lot of reasons to engage with that material. And they it seemed like they really cared about making sure that material was, was handled reasonably well. Um, now we're hitting a point where it's like, okay, I guess Loki and time travel stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I could continue to go on, but, uh, new, new week. So we're going to try, try something different. Are there any other points around that you'd like to discuss before we, we touch on, uh, another delicate topic associated with Loki? Let's go into the other delicate topics. I'm curious. So at time of recording, the Jonathan Majors is having some legal issues and there are a lot of allegations right. against him. Um, if you want more information and detail on that, you can look them up. But the story is constantly ongoing and changing. And as I don't have the most up-to-date real information, that is the full extent of my commentary on that. But it's something that I feel that we should mention because it is what we do on the podcast. Yeah, at this point of recording, it is rumored that Jonathan Major might be written out. Whether that means Kang is written out or a variant of Kang, i.e. a recasting comes along, more unclear, but that is the current strain of rumors. Mar uh, Marvel slash Disney uh, has not officially commented in either direction. Uh, but we've called out bad actors before. This is another case of – it's still allegations. We don't have any proof, but – we should at least make a note. If, if that, again, if that feels that makes you uncomfortable, you can skip Loki. And to move on to what we usually do then is to touch on Loki in the six one six. Unless you have yeah. other comments about any of no, that. No, no, no. I, I am I am excited to see how you explain this. <laughs> it it is gonna be the most truncated version I could possibly do. <laughs> uh Loki is the god of mischief in the six one six, based heavily on mythology through the lens of Stanley. So mm -hmm. imagine Stanley read about mythology, threw it all out the window and came up with his own idea. <laughs> Much how he did for Thor and the entire other Asgardians and everything else. Right. And basically say, Jack Kirby and Jack, he's like, Jack Kirby, do you want to draw cool Nordic shit? And Jack Kirby's like, fuck yeah, I do. And that was basically it. <laughs> In a nutshell, Jack, I got something for you. No, <laughs> It's, it's early for bad Stanley impersonations. Um, and so Loki quickly became 
Loki was the first enemy of the Avengers. He would use illusions to get the Hulk to run around and smash things. The Avengers would come and they fought with Loki. Uh, Loki has had different incarnations of the of the God of Mischief, but all throughout Loki has primarily been evil up until around, I want to say the movies when it started shifting into an anti-hero role. And you have versions of Loki. There is Lady Loki. There is uh, Kid Loki. And I could go on and on. But to put in the comics, Loki focuses more on magic and sorcery. Loki is also the person that made the Wrecking Crew one of the greatest, Mm -hmm. greatest supervillain teams in comics. Basically, he enchanted a... (laughs) Sorry. Uh, He... He enchanted a crowbar and it had gave magic powers to three to three or four other dudes, and they all have low level super strength and toughness, and they run around and they steal stuff. The best character out of the whole lot of them would be the Absorbing Man, who he made specifically to fight Thor. And mm-hmm. the Absorbing Man basically touches something and he acquires those properties physically. Like if he touched Thor's hammer, he would become an Uru Absorbing Man. Right. Exactly. Loki is has whatever powers the plot dictates. In the long run, if you're looking to think of Loki, Loki is a great schemer who acts mostly behind the scenes. Right. Um, uh, that's my short, truncated version of Loki. Yeah, I mean, we're not getting into stuff like uh, Kid Loki during the uh, Young Avengers, where he was actually secretly a time-space version of himself who tried to redeem himself before he became an adult and any of that nonsense. Loki is complicated. But not as complicated as the villain of this particular show. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going there yet. I'm going to touch uh-huh. on the TVA. Okay. The uh, Time Variance Authority is an actual thing from the comics. Mm-hmm. It was in, I want to say it was created by Walt Simonson and Thor. I want to say like around in the 80s, like 86. Mm-hmm. It's popped up in the Fantastic Four and Thor primarily is where it's been. Uh, and uh- it. I was just say um a, a little bit of trivia I know because I'm Fantastic Four fan, uh the TVA in, the, the initial designs of the um uh the characters we see as as the in armor why not now the armor is very different in the comics because it was meant to be a Judge Dredd homage, uh because the TVA initially was Walt Simonson being really annoyed at editorial constantly going through and rewriting his scripts, and so he literally <laughs> used a comic book symbol of fascism to represent his frustration at his editors. <laughs> good to know uh i, I did not know that is my fantastic four knowledge is hit or miss um and the tva actually from the comics is staffed mostly i want to say by clones who are like chronometons equivalently mm-hmm. and they're all work for a version of kang mm-hmm. oh, is there any of the comments of the tva before we get to kang uh Mobius is actually supposed to be a uh, reference to, I want to say, Grimwald, one of the Marvel editors, uh, because mm-hmm. it's meant to be a humorless, colorless person. Ah, <laughs> uh, you gotta love writers and artists. Um, <laughs> Kang is an Kang the Conqueror is an incredibly difficult character. All you need to know is Kang has no superpowers. He is a genius expert historian and tactician all of his tech is 40th century technology he's a descendant of reed richards mm-hmm. and he is i hate to say it you know i'm gonna say it though right go for it basically he's a gallifreyan time lord and he can 
pop up and out throughout time and he sort of edits time as he goes along and there are multiple iterations of kang that pop up like there's a mortis there is iron lad and various other versions of mm-hmm. him at different stages in his life some of them are actively trying to stop kang some of them are trying to help kang some of them don't really even become kang but there are dozens of them there's like a council of kangs at one point in time yep and reva from the television show eventually in one version kills kang and becomes kang herself right um the continuity of kang is at this point in time not only a gordian knot but it actively contradicts itself uh it's not unintentional oh comic book creators over the course of 60 years messing up no their, their point is that point where like they're, they've actively introduced stuff that is irreconcilable with the canon because Kang is is just a nonsense of causality. Uh, so if you think Doctor Who time travel is confusing, it's got nothing on Marvel time travel. <laughs> and with his 40th level technology, he can basically do any sort of superpower or plutonium thing he needs at all, any at all times. Mm-hmm. But baseline, assume he can at least perform in his armor anything that Iron Man or Doctor Doom could do that is not magically related. Right. Um, Also, amusingly, Kang was also the other big kind of Avengers villain for a good long time. Uh, So, interestingly, we have two of the big Avengers reoccurring villains, Avengers reoccurring villains, um, and yet the Avengers only show up in a flashback. So, (laughs) And Kang, I want to say, was in issue 10 of the Avengers when he first showed up. Yeah, he was, he was, he was a very early one, but he kept coming back. Um, and then uh, there were different time-traveling characters that Marvel then retconned to say they were all secretly Kang, um, and then retconned again to say they were not secretly Kang, and it's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> and those are our primary characters and forces that we'll be engaging with right now. I, I resisted bringing up Beta Ray Bill, and I am a huge Beta Ray Bill fan because there's uh, no, no reference for Beta Ray Bill other than I wanted to mention Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill is the best Thor. Any other thoughts or comments on the powers, the 616 versions, before we go into the show proper? Um, so, I, I will probably just place to talk about is up front is um, I mentioned before we talked about this ultimately a show about time travel. And while I will probably have to constantly repeat that I actually do enjoy the show, um, it spectacularly fails at both being a good time travel show and a good comic book time travel show, which are two very different things, right? Um, you can do a good time travel show. It's not a good comic book time travel show. And there's lots of good comic book time travel that is actually really bad time travel from a structural perspective. Um, it does neither of these uh, and in fact, it isn't really a show about time travel, even though it is literally a show entirely about time travel. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, it, it's actually kind of frustrating. And I want to kind of set expectations as we talk about this because the time travel that occurs is really just set dressing for random stuff happening uh, and uh, an excuse for why this version of Tom Hiddleston is alive when Akiologi is dead in the movies. Uh, but other than that, the time variance part of the time variance authority is not really a strong aspect of this show it, 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 it it's there there's the very end of the show there is one thing that happens that actually makes this show about time travel and and paradoxes but everything else is just more about parallel universes than actual time travel so 
going in, it, it, it's it, it's not really a time, show about time travel. So I'm like, that expectation kind of as we talk about it. Well, to that extent, also part of the part of my issue is uh, with a lot of the issues I'm noticing is that it has bloat, and that's why we jump from episode one all the way to episode five. Yeah, those other episodes in the middle almost don't matter. There's bits and pieces that are important, but nothing as spectacular as we'll get on the back end. Yeah. And that leads into the fact it's not about time travel. It wasn't about going to these places and establishing a feel for being in that environment and then having the characters interact with that environment. Right. It was there for us to see the actors and look at something that goes, Hey, I know what that is. I was alive in like 1986. Hey, that's me. And that was all. Yep. Um, Which goes back to, Legends of Tomorrow did it better. I feel like that's going to be a catchphrase of this season. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that. Yeah, right? I didn't, I didn't expect that to be kind of a running theme, but once again, Legends of Tomorrow did comic book time travel way better than Loki did. All right. Expectations are set. Are you prepared? I'm prepared. Are you my ready are for... Are you ready for my glorious purpose? Loki escapes with the Tesseract after the Battle of New York, creating a branch timeline, but is quickly arrested by the Time Variance Authority, a.k.a. the TVA. At the TVA, Miss Minutes recaps the past multiverse war between timelines that was ended by the timekeepers who establish and maintain the sacred timeline. The TVA does this by resetting branch timelines and the variants that cause them. Loki faces trials for his crimes against the sacred timeline, uh, Renslayer is a judge who is going to sentence him to resetting, but Mobius M. Mobius intervenes as he thinks Loki can be of assistance in his case. Mobius shows Loki all the MC movies, <laughs> and Loki feels better, feels bad about his life, and decides that he too can be a good guy after watching them. After a failed escape attempt, the God of Mischief agrees to aid the TVA in hunting down the killer of several TVA, TVA officers who has also been stealing technology used to reset timelines. And Mobius reveals in a very dramatic moment with the last closing bits of the episode, the variant is Loki. So you remember when I said that I wish these shows spend more time recapping the movies so that we'd have more context going into them? This is not what I had in mind. Um, Literally sitting down for 20 minutes to watch those movies so that you can see the context. Um, you, mean you didn't want a clip show? Oh God! It, 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 it's so it was very close to a clip show. Um, the other snarky comment I, I've said before, going saying nice things, is that I liked this episode better when it was called when it was the movie Brazil. <laughs> can Can you provide context for Brazil for people that may um, not know that 1982 Gilliam classic? Uh, uh, Brazil is basically kind of a very uh, surreal take on uh, 1984. It's meant to be a dystopian society of an endless bureaucracy. Uh, but uh, Terry Gilliam uh, uh, very cleverly used anachronistic technology to kind of portray the, the, the uh, eternal nature of this, this uh, Baroque bureaucracy. Um, and that's something that was very clearly uh, an inspiration for the TVA in, in, in this show. And to be clear, I, I love that look. Like I love the idea that this is just bits of random eras technology jammed together uh, and with a heavy emphasis on uh, the 60s and 70s. Uh, so, I mean, like I, I feel like that look, I love it. Um, and I'm glad that we spend some time in it. Uh, and 
you know, and, and there's lots of great technical touches. Like the sets are amazing. The props are amazing. Um, the, the, the informative cartoon is just spectacular. So it looks exactly like, <laughs> a, 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 like a late fifties, early sixties infotainment cartoon. Um, down to like the little bits of hair and dust on the uh, frames as they were shooting the frames. I mean, it was, it was just amazingly done for an episode where nothing happens like that recap you read. I mean, that, that was act- the actual like 10 minutes of plot that actually occurred in this episode. <laughs> All right. I want to start off. Well, not even start off. I want to continue and point out my biggest, biggest issue with the first episode is not that nothing happens really, mm. but they literally show Loki, the movies that we've all watched, and that is what equivalently it's 70% of what turns Loki around after centuries, nay, nay, millennia of being an evil god of mischief. A 12 hour little movie spree like that, nothing else in his entire existence. That is frustrating. Because they want us to have the Loki that was at the end of at the movies where he got killed. That is a Loki they're trying to get us to. And they want to put aside all the deaths and everything else this Loki has done. So he can follow a uh, mischievous scamp, as he would say, throughout his misadventures. Right. And one of the ways they do this is they pull out another uh, trope, um, which I currently believe is called beating Worf on TV tropes. Um, but it's the idea of when you have established a very powerful thing in, in a, a show or a set of movies, and then the new thing comes along and it shows that it's immediately more powerful than this established powerful thing. So like in Next Generation, they show that a, a new alien threat is massively powerful by beating up Worf, who's the strongest character on the show. Um, and what that does is actually undercuts Worf as a character. Um, they do this with the Infinity Stones and the uh, Cosmic Cube. Uh, by basically making them gags. And so it's like, so half the universe was murdered by these things that the TVA think are just kind of a joke. And there, it does to establish that, that Loki's out of his depth and can't possibly uh, comp- be on par with the TVA. But it's done in such a under... Again, like, this just shows pace weirdly because like you could have done this differently. You could have you could have pulled Loki from a different part of the timeline. To, to, so that most of his journey was already on the way. Um, you could have uh, reframed that uh, the Infinity Stone and Cosmic Cube or just not have them come up, right? I mean, th- th- they intentionally brought them up and then undercut them. Uh, so like there's lots of ways you could have done this differently, um, but they, they we, we have this weird obsession with Marvel shows right now. They're really obsessed with the first Avengers film. Uh, Hawkeye was, and now this one is. And they, they, these shows are stuck in 2012 for some reason. And I get it. It's the, this is probably the, if you've been checked out of the Marvel MCU for a while, this is probably the film you remember and really liked. So let's name drop that movie. Uh, so I, mean, I get the logic of it, but it's, it, it's frustrating because as a designer and as a writer, I can see the, 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 the goals they're trying to set. And they just picked, Every time it seems like they picked 
a really bad way to get there. Whereas the prop department and the set department would go, cool, we're just going to ignore all of that and just have a great time over here and do an amazing job. It's like, cool, at least one part of this team is just really just firing all cylinders, but it's not the writers. So I can, I give you most of that. The They're stuck with this Loki because of the movie. So mm. that is why we're stuck with evil Loki. I don't care what you call him. He is evil Loki. So they could have done something where the TVA had Loki for an extended period of time. And that would have helped change the character throughout the course. But this instantaneous flip, even though he does a few shenanigans here and there, it's not the same. But to, to the episode proper, we get the scene from the movie, which we we've seen a couple different times and mm. the TVA first show up and we get a glimpse of the technology that they're using mm. with like the temporal staff that slows Loki down when he's hit. Mm-hmm. which was a a nice touch to see the sort of technology that they're using, even though they don't have equivalently almost phasers or things, they have ha- melee weapons. And so that right. was a little unexpected. But at the same time, when you're watching it, you're still thinking Loki is a god. These are potentially just humans. What is the power scale that we're dealing with? Right. Because um, we're and, not and, the TVA yet. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, this is one of those things where, I, I see the logic because, um, as I mentioned before, the TVA uh, were, were meant to be kind of Judge Dredd ripoffs. So they kept a lot of the police symbolism uh, for the TVA guards. But now, you know, with the environment and the relationship we have with the police now, it, it, that has aged very badly very quickly. Um, so it's like you have the, these grunts going on in black armor who are beating people up with basically time truncheons. Um, and so it's just like, oh, that, that, that feels even more uncomfortable watching it the second time around. Mm-hmm. And I will just touch on it before we move on again. The primary enforcer that we constantly see is a black person beating a white person with a truncheon. Mm-hmm. Already talked about it before. Um, there is a funny bit though that I did like is when he shows up, he goes to the in processing and you get a yes. glimpse of what bureaucracy is like with the dude just trying to work his cubicle saying like, can you verify this is everything you've ever said? What? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful yes. is what that scene yes. was. I loved that. I, I like I said I loved the 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 info cartoon, um, the the take a ticket stuff, the the pointless inane bureaucracy. Again, if if, if you love those scenes, I, I do highly recommend watch Brazil because Brazil is basically a lot of that. Um, uh, but it's I don't know. It, it, like if the whole show had been that. I probably like it a lot more, <laughs> you know, like Loki spends nine episodes trying to convince the TVA to process his parking ticket or something. I may actually enjoy that, <laughs> you know? Um, but it, it, it it's, it's kind of just the, 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 the pointless bureaucracy of the TVA is really cool setup in this scene. And then they don't follow up in any of the other episodes. Yeah. So many good setups that are just quickly dropped and mm-hmm. they're primarily dropped for a one-off joke, which they could have leaned into more and it would have either been funnier or it would could potentially add it to more intensity for the show itself. Mm-hmm. It could have gone either way and it's just not there. And while I did poke fun at the, the movie watching scene, the scene between Owen Wilson and Loki are the best piece of this entire episode that interrogation scene between the two of them. Sure. Um, it's clear that this episode was, was just the showpiece for it. It's like, let's put Thomas and Owen Wilson in a room and let them talk for hours. 
Um, and I admit when I first heard Owen Wilson was playing Mobius, I didn't have a strong connection to Mobius, but more Owen Wilson playing any member of the TVA. I was like, they're meant to be kind of bland and bureaucratic, and, and Owen Wilson is, is absolutely none of those things. Uh, uh, so I was confused initially, but this show certainly warmed me to uh, Mobius and, and this this casting of it uh, because it makes sense. It's that you need to have someone who has kind of a heart in the center of this TVA, someone that we need to say, like, okay, I don't agree with what they're doing, but at least like seeing them on the screen. Um, and while the structure of, like you said, having him watch Loki's past and or, past to us future to this Loki uh, and walking through it. It does actually set a really good way of getting into Loki's head. Um, so it's like, it's a way of externalizing an interiority to the character that is very hard to do in most circumstances. So it's the, I, I give them credit for, you get two great actors to talk about their feelings on screen that can always be, compelling television have done reasonably well. It's just that the structure they put around it, because they also, oh, and also we use this as a way to recap for the audience. I, I think it ended up becoming too much of a slog, like tighten that scene up and then put a little more plot into this episode. I think it would have been stronger um, because while I loved watching the two of them, it was easily 10, 15 minutes of the episode. Mm -hmm. Well, if they, cut out the uh the movie watching itself that would have dropped it down about five minutes right right exactly there's nothing i enjoy more than watching a tv show watching other people watch television um <laughs> and having still said that though i think having just 30 seconds of the movie in captain america and the winter soldier would have elevated that pilot and give it us more reference for sam and what sam was doing like when steve the interaction between sam and steve and even Bucky, just that 30-second clip would have elevated that pilot and made that series stronger. Right. It, it's the, the answer is not zero recap, and the answer is not five minutes of recap. There's, there's, there's a middle ground here that the show seemed to be kind of missing right now. And this one way over, overkilled it. Mm -hmm. um, then there's just Loki shenanigans of running around, which we've talked about. Uh, it's good to see, uh, I think that's, was that a uh, donkey Doug from the good place? <laughs> yes. Always glad like, to see him. I know this guy. Work. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, now I believe it actually is donkey Doug. <sighs> <laughs> um, and while it is overhanded and like being hit in the face with a fist, it does start giving you instantly that the TVA is not a force for good. Just right. out and out. Right. Regardless of what you think. And all of that is there and on the screen from the jump. Right. Um, it does pull a good trick from WandaVision uh, by saying that it, it sets up a nefarious setting while giving us a bunch of characters that we like. Um, so uh, we, we, we definitely walk away from this like the TVA is bad. But we don't know if any specific characters seen on screen are necessarily bad. They're all also equally victims of something that's, that's above them, um, which is the same thing that kind of happened with, with, with WandaVision as a whole. It's that we knew something was going on, but we didn't know who it was. But we knew we cared about the characters who were trapped in this until we found out that it was actually Agatha. Um, but until then. All along. 
Right. We, we, we knew that, you know, we liked all of these characters. So it is pulling a good trick from, from one vision that front of like, okay, here's another show that's up, but there's a mystery. We're actually, you know, building the mystery. And I will say to the show's credit, the actual build of the mystery is stronger than one visions. We talked about that. Um, where one division, it kind of just, um, uh, focused more on the self-referential television than did the actual mystery. This one is a little better about setting up the mystery, but now it's doing it at the expense of the time travel show. So it's like we have, again, two genres melted together. One of them is not being dealt enough uh, justice in service of the other one. I bet I would bet, though, before we move on to the next episode, this would be an incredibly tight two-hour movie that would be exceptional if it was cut down. The whole, you mean the whole show? Yeah, just yeah, I think two so. hours. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we move on to season one, episode five? No, I, I will just mention that uh, I was amused by the title of episode five because that was actually the name of Thor's comic before he spun off and became Thor. So I loved it. Journey into mystery. Renslayer tells Sylvie that she doesn't know who created the TVA and that Loki was teleported to the void, a dimension at the end of time where everything the TVA prunes is dumped into it and from which nothing has returned. Facing capture, Sylvie prunes herself. Meanwhile, Loki learns from four other variants of himself, Alligator Loki, Boastful Loki, Classic Loki, and Kid Loki, that Althoth, a massive cloud-like creature, hunts and kills all life in the void. Upon arriving, Sylvie briefly enchants Althoth before receiving help from the former TVA member Mobius M. Mobius and escapes a creature in a bus. Boastful Loki betrays the other Lokis for a second Loki group led by President Loki, but the other three Lokis escape and eventually find Sylvie and Mobius. Using a time uh, temp pad Sylvie stole from Renslayer, Mobius chooses to return the TVA and reveal the truth about the organization to its employees. Loki attempts to distract the massive cloud-eating creature so Sylvie can enchant it. Both fail until classic Loki returns and creates a life-size illusion of Asgard to distract it, saving them both and sacrificing himself in the process. Working together, Sylvie and Loki and their love enchant the massive (laughs) cloud-like creature revealing a citadel beyond the void which they walk towards. You just like saying Mobius and Mobius, don't you? I mainly enjoy saying Mobius and Mobius. (laughs) What's his middle name? It's Mobius. <laughs> uh, a lot of shenanigans happen. Right, right. All right, um, my, my, my real opinion. Um, so we skipped over the intervening episodes. The intervening episodes focus a little bit on Sylvie, and Loki and Sylvie build a relationship, and they believe they're falling in love, and that creates its own sort of anomaly. Right. So that's a whole thing. So that's, just, that's the one part that you're missing for what happens later on when they, when they hold hands. It becomes a love story. And also Sylvie is the Loki that was previously murdering other members of the TVA. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be called Loki and wants to be called Sylvie, who looks and acts a lot like the Enchantress, who is when not I a Loki. First, when I first watched this, the whole time I was going, is, are they going to say that she's the Enchantress? Are they going to say that she's Enchantress? Because it really feels like she's the Enchantress. <laughs> Um, this costume is like the enchantress. She enchants yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now blonde. this time around, I'm like, 
knowing that they never go to that, I will say I was more struck that if you were going to cast a female version of Tom Hiddleston, that was an excellent choice. Because <laughs> she looks a lot... When they're standing next to each other in profile, I was like, actually, she does look a lot like Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we get, starting at the TVA, though, with Renslayer and Sylvie, is a lot of back and forth. And you get the sense that Renslayer is playing for time, even as they're sitting there. Because Sylvie mm-hmm. came in, she was upset that they pruned Loki, and she was going to try to find a way to save them. Right. Which, once again, it has a glorious Miss Minutes. I I, I love Miss Minutes. Like, that is, Miss I Minutes think my is the best part of the show. <laughs> favorite part of the show, hands down. Uh, Tara Strong doing amazing work. Yes. It's good to see the voice of Raven kicking it old school with a southern accent. Um, <laughs> and they talk about this temporal ship that goes that can like go beyond time. And so it's a nice point to know that they've been pruning people, but at no point in time are the people that they're pruning out and outright destroyed. So I just want to mention that in this show, there are time masters who have a time ship that they Mm -hmm. use to go back and forth through time. (laughs) But that's just it. You discover that there is no time ship. It was a lie. So they're technically not, Time lo- time masters. Right. But so in this continuity, in this, in this branch of the multiverse, they actually pruned off Rip and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the time masters and say, no, 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 that, that they're, they're never existed. Um, so I, I believe that uh, Legends of Tomorrow is actually the, one of the pruned timelines of this show. While we're discussing pruning and resetting specifically, let's take a minute and discuss what that potentially means when they say they're resetting or they're pruning things, mm-hmm. they're destroying entire universes when they do yes. this. Mm-hmm. Like, hands down, massive genocide every single time. They've been doing this for centuries. Right. And again, this is the show where they explain things to you, but if you take a half second to think about it, it falls apart because they say, our goal is to prune these timelines and, and they use that term constantly. They have grenades that destroy timelines and they call that pruning a timeline. They talk about how they prune the individuals when they destroy them. And then in this episode, we find out they're actually going to shove into a dimension at the end of time. But that means that every single parallel universe that ever existed that got pruned is shoved into this one dimension. And it just doesn't make sense. Because well, it's being consumed we, by the cloud. Right. It's the, it, we have an, an infinite number of infinities that are being shoved in here, but they're all kind of Loki. Um, and like, I, I can argue, I can see kind of an argument of maybe uh, uh, each chunk of this dimension, you know, like attracts like. And so all the variant Lokis tend to cluster in one place, all the variants Iron Men cluster in one place, what have you. But then that doesn't explain why Mobius shows up in this exact spot, right? Unless he's also another Loki, which for all I know, maybe at this point. Second um, season. You know what? Honestly, Mobius being a Loki would explain a lot of things to me now that I say that. But mm-hmm. um, with the information we have, it is implied that this is just kind of a dumping ground for everything. But because it's the Loki show, it's centered around Loki. And that could have been an interesting mystery. And certainly it would be in character for Loki as a character to say, huh, it's all about me. Clearly I'm the most important thing in the universe. 
the multiverse. <laughs> that would be a very logical thing for Loki to come to. But we don't because it's just kind of an excuse to have alligator Loki, which don't get me wrong. I love alligator Loki. But we go back to the metaphysics of the show and the setups that it's trying to establish are just really setups for punchlines. And they don't do, mm -hmm. do anything with these interesting concepts. Yeah. Completely. But we do get Richard E. Grant dressed like classic Loki. Which is amazing. And which I mean, also it's frustrating in a way, right? Because like he is the Loki of the comic books. I mean, that's clear what we're going for here. It's like is, is it, he's dressed like the comic book Loki. He's got the kind of shitty costuming decisions that the 70s Marvel shows <laughs> tended towards, right? Um, it's it's like, okay, I, I see what you're going for here, but he's kind of a better Loki than the Loki we're supposed to care about. Yeah. He 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 played into it. Like, he leaned heavy into it to make it work. He did. It was oh. so good. Because the perfect balance of, I'm going to tell you how amazing I am and then also be a complete fucking coward. And I'm like, that was something that Tom Hiddleston has done in previous movies, but this version that we're following just really isn't doing. And he can't because of plot reasons. And that's really the only reason why. Well, this is supposedly now our, our, our leading man, Loki. So he can't, he can't be all cowardly and doing all that stuff now. Nope. I, I, at this point, the show needs to pivot and just follow alligator Loki from this point forward. Just it's not alligator Loki show. Well, there was Thor Loki in the, in the, I think the closing credits, if you looked. Yes. Yes. So you could just have that. That's it. That's our new animated show. Alligator Loki and and Thor Frog together. <laughs> have you, you say that, but there actually is on Marvel Unlimited now an Alligator Loki and, Fro and Frog Thor comic. So oh. <laughs> I did not know that. I could have lived a happy life without knowing that. Yep. Um, and it was a nice touch when we had our four Lokis in the underground cavern together sort of talking about what they did to become variants. Mm -hmm. Except for boastful Loki, who seemed to like not really tell us specifically how the other Lokis did. And this leads into my continuing problem with this show is that when one of the Lokis turned out to be a traitor, it is the black Loki. Going back again to reinforcing that that this show has done throughout every single opportunity it's had. Right. And uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie when they, because so the, the descriptions we have of the characters, the different Lokis are done th through subtitles, right? And the first four characters you see are alligator Loki, defined by the fact that he's an alligator, kid Loki, who's defined by the fact that he's a kid, classic Loki, defined by the fact that he looks like classic Loki, and boastful Loki. It's like, you know, you know that like, what the writers probably probably wanted to say, and then they changed that mm -hmm. probably in a draft. Because yeah. you, I, I feel like just one draft that said, okay, and Black Loki is basically what they're trying to say, right? Mm hmm. And now, <laughs> maybe <laughs> no one will that. notice all the other shit that we've done so far, right? And the the President Loki outfit is always a great getup. It was funny to see. Yes. Uh, for people who don't know, um, there actually was a run of Loki where he did a run for president. So that was a direct reference to that. And the, the outfit is surprisingly comic accurate. Um, like 
I think the President Loki run was done after the Avengers movie, so they made it look like Tom Hiddleston. So having Tom Hiddleston then play the character that was modeled off of him is kind of a, um, uh, a Nick Fury level of inception going on there. But it was almost <laughs> like uncanny valley for people who are familiar with that comic book run. So I was like, I loved seeing it. I was like, oh my God, it's President Loki. Um, but again, Tom Hiddleston playing President Loki was a better Loki than Loki we were following. So it's not even the actor that's the problem. It's the writing. Because yeah. obviously Tom Hiddleston still has got the chops of being jerk Loki. And to, to take, I guess, a slight step back, the talk when they were sitting around with classic Loki and even kid Loki saying, my, my act is I killed Thor. And that's mm-hmm. how I became a variant. And classic Loki's very mournful story about their existence and how they isolated themselves from it. And the loneliness is why they decided to come back. And mm-hmm. that's why they became a variant. Not that Loki went away. It's a fact that Loki chose to come back to try to be an active part of the universe. That right. is what made them a variant. Like that is yep. a sad story to show how meaningless your life basically is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, we, the, the show, again, at, at a level I can see it, like the show's idea is we're going to externalize Loki's character arc through everybody around him. And use that to show his growth. And that was a really cool setup. And if they had used that, it would have been fantastic. But they didn't. They had all that character arc in episode one. And now we're just going through kind of a reiteration of the character arc we've already had. Um, So it just comes across as masturbatory, which again, of the characters to have someone who you have versions of yourself telling you how great you are, Loki is the character to do that with. So it's not (laughs) not entirely wrong. But um, it, it just, it's the more, all of his characters are basically sad Loki and we're already following a sad Loki. Uh, so it's, it, it's frustrating that the most interesting part of the scene is when President Loki comes in and tries to basically, they have a gang rumble inside of what it looks like an abandoned bowling alley. And it's like, that's actually the most fun this episode has been so far. <laughs> After the escape, we finally reconnect with Mobius and Mobius and Sylvie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get a uh, another round of touching scenes where you get the Mobius and Mobius and Loki hugging, and you get the sense mm-hmm. that they might be buddies or something else. But it's undercut by Mobius and Mobius uh, telling Sylvie that she's his favorite Loki, and then he goes back to the TVA to leave the Lokis to deal with whatever the situation is, which makes sense from a character perspective, which is a nod to decent writing is what I'm going to say for that. But he goes back without a plan, without backup into an organization that he already knows what they can do. And they've already pruned him once. (laughs) Right. So like up to this point, Mobius could have gone either way. Mobius could have been the villain, right? Um, and I thought they did a really good job of keeping that nebulous. It's the everything Mobius has done is manipulative of Loki, but it's like, oh, but it's Owen Wilson. So I kind of find it charming, right? Much like Tom Hiddleston. So it's like, it's the, you see, as someone who's a perfect balance to Loki, someone who's just as charming and manipulative as Loki. And so if he had, if you cut those scenes of TVA out, I felt like the show would have been so much stronger because then Mobius's motivation is still nebulous and just keep it there. Right. It's a, is he as manipulative mm. as Loki is? Is he another Loki? Right. Like I said, I mean, you could actually see that plan. But then we go to, and he's just straight up a hero. 
And it's like, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost anticlimactic because like if he'd gone back and been like, yep, our plan's going perfectly as we expected, you know, like that would have been an interesting <laughs> and almost that's a twist I kind of see happening here. And when they, okay, cool. Then Loki can trust nobody. Everyone's against Loki. That would have been interesting. But no, it's like, nope, he's, he's got friends and it's, it becomes then why was he being so manipulative of Loki? Is he just a jerk? <laughs> or is like he trying to emulate Loki by looking how I can trick the trickster god? I mean, it, why did all this need to happen? It's like, no, Mobius was genuinely just trying to do the right thing. And so it's like, uh, because it's the but, it's superhero moment. That's what we need. And to go back, and he is totally ineffective. That is an yeah. utter waste of the character. He, he mm-hmm. does nothing. He gets beat up. And Renslayer still... Uh, we'll, we'll say escapes, but it's more Renslayer leaves. It's not an escape. There's no right. pressure to run off. Yeah, she's like, I'm and done with this. Get, I gotta go. <laughs> we get one of the best scenes of, I think, the entire series is when Sylvie and Loki are both failing. And they're saved by classic Loki, who comes back for his own heroic moment and mm-hmm. recreates Asgard showing like the power of sorcery and illusion that the OG Loki from the comics has. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have the frustrating moment of another Loki who has an entire story arc in one episode. And this one is miles better. Mm-hmm. Like from start to finish and it is beautifully executed. I don't see any way they're not bringing back classic Loki next season. I hope so. I really hope so. And um, both of them managed to enchant the evil cloud. Because reasons. Yeah, because of their love when they hold hands. I thought you understood that. <laughs> yes, I forgot that part. It's it's the self-love. I could go even lower, but it's early in the morning, so I'll resist the rest of that joke. Um, <laughs> and it parts ways showing them the castle in the clouds. It's an anime joke for my friends out there. And like, we we have the moment. It's like again, like uh, there's an epic quest that you have to go through and get to to the ends to find out what's really going on. It's not bad. It's not wrong per se. But it's watch this episode. I mean, watching this episode right after episode one really shows you how a you didn't miss anything in those three episodes, but also b how the show has completely changed. No plot has really, no significant plot has happened, but the actual genre of the show is completely different from episode one yeah. to episode five. Uh, any any closing comments on that episode? No, because I want to get to the other, let's have people sit in the room and talk scene. <laughs> Season one, episode six, four, all time, always. Loki and Sylvie enter the Citadel at the end of time, where Miss Minutes tries to unsuccessfully bribe them. Renslayer receives information sent by he who remains via Miss Minutes. Mobius and Mobius confronts Renslayer (laughs) and both accuse each other of betrayal. Renslayer leaves searching for free will after overcoming Mobius's attempt to prune her. And I use that very loosely. Meanwhile, he who remains greets Loki and Sylvie, who reveals he can anticipate their actions because he has foreseen the past, the present, and the future, and that he guided them to him. He also reveals that he created the TVA after several variants of himself discovered alternative t- universes and contacted each other in the 31st century. Several of them tried to conquer other universes, leading to the multiversal war. He who remains harnessed the creature the massive evil cloud 
to end it, isolating his timeline and create the TVA to prevent further branches. As he has grown weary, he offers Sylvie and Loki a choice. Kill him. End the singular timeline and risk another multiversal war sparked by his variants or succeed him in leading the TVA and managing the sacred timeline. As the timeline begins to diverge, he who remained finds he can no longer anticipate the future and is elated by that knowledge. Sylvie tries to kill him. Loki fights her, fearing he who remains might be right and pleading that he wants to keep her safe. They kiss, but Sylvie uses the temp patch to send Loki back to the TVA headquarters and kills a surrendered he who remains, unleashing a multiverse with timelines that cannot be pruned. Loki tries to warn B-15 and Mobius and Mobius about he who remains as variants, but they don't recognize him. Loki then discovers that a statue of one of the variants has replaced the statue of the timekeepers. In scene. Right. So, as a fan of Star Trek, I am predisposed to enjoying shows that are basically very good actors sitting in a room talking to each other for long periods of time. We joked about how that was basically a good chunk of episode one. I was like, yeah, the movie watching was a bit much, but the actual, like, there's no problem with, with Mobius and Loki sitting in a room and just talking to each other. I, I, I'm here for that kind of TV. With this, we have another example of that. We have three characters. Well, we, we have Loki, he remains, and Sylvie's also there, sadly. Um, but we have Loki, and he remains just being in a room, dropping plot. And I, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was really cool. And I thought it was a great way to explain what the multiverse is and who Kang was, although they only kind of referenced Kang loosely. Um, and I thought I, I thought the way that he remains was played was really interesting. It was a very interesting take on the character that I hadn't seen before. I thought really worked well. So to see it all kind of flushed away because you set up, here's how the multiverse works. I've seen everything that happens before, during, and after. But for this moment, I can't say what's happening where I get conveniently killed. And now suddenly there's a multiverse now. It, 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 you have this really long scene explaining everything and then like five minutes to wrap up the whole plot. It was, it was so weirdly paced. I would go so far as to say I, I enjoyed the interpretation of Kang and seeing someone that has been alone for so long and how they act afterwards mm -hmm. having a lot of us having been trapped in our homes during COVID know that when you're, when you're isolated, yeah. you change a little bit and to have weird. that go on for millennia. I loved seeing that and mm -hmm. like the engagement. And if it was just a talking scene after the first episode, it was another one like that. It wouldn't have worked like yep. the energy that majors brought made that scene work. Absolutely. Hands down. Uh, I would have liked it if Sylvie had got to be more engaging other than I am mad. I will stab you. It's like yep. her whole plot art for this whole episode. Mm -hmm. And that was downgrading the character from where she was. All of that said, I would say that it's because he could see the future up to this point where it became his present is what I think they're trying to convey. And they just didn't execute it properly. Okay. If that was the explanation, that makes more sense. But they were using future very, very loosely in a lot of different contexts in that conversation. Yeah. And so it, you're right. It became very muddy. If it had been like, I can see your future. 
but we're at the end of time. And so I don't know what happens beyond this point. That would have made things a lot clearer. And I think the props department tried to do that by like his temp pad or whatever it was wouldn't update anymore. But I think that was a point is that they'd reach his present now and everything becomes unknown. Mm -hmm. It was not properly conveyed, but I think that's what it was meant to be. Right, right. Yeah. And this, the thing is, there isn't a lot else that happened in this episode other than a big plot dump that's in sort of overdone to have a fight between both Lokis. And this is the moment for anything that bothers me, where you can resolve your entire conflict by taking two minutes to have a serious discussion. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. If Sylvie and Loki, who we've established love each other or themselves, depending on how you mm-hmm. look at it, could have had a, a talk, a one minute conversation that would have been lasted less in the battle to resolve the entire issue. But they wouldn't let Sylvie's character do that. Right. And it comes down to it's the end of the show. We need to have a big superhero fight. And so this is a big superhero fight. It, it's more muted than some of the other big superhero fights. And there's at least a vague attempt to try to make that interesting, question mark. But um, you're right. It, 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 if you, you could cut the entire fight out and lose nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, I hate to say it, but the fights in the Loki series were not that good on the whole. No. And but, part of it makes sense because, you know, they're Lokis and Loki is not a fighter. But Sylvie, who is for a millennia now been fighting against the TVA, I think is what one of the episodes that we didn't cover, mm-hmm. should be. Like just hands down. And our Loki, and I use our very loosely, uh, should not be a match for her at all in physical combat. And here's, so this is, and this is, ah, this is why it's so weirdly frustrating is because it's, um, I, I feel like it says a lot with our ships. Like I, I could almost see it. Um, previous episode, Kid Loki has a magic appearing sword and he threatens Loki with it. At the end, he's like, you're going to need this because I see a point where you're going to need this. Okay. Now we're in the scene where the only reason why he's having a sword fight with Sylvie is because Kid Loki gave him a sword to fight with. So if there had been a, a line or a beat or something where it's like it was implied that Kid Loki foresaw Loki fighting himself because that is what all Lokis inevitably do, that would have made that fight more poignant because it would have been an inevitable consequence. It would have been Loki trying to fight against inevitability and failing. And I could see how that was probably on the whiteboard somewhere in the writer's room, but it got lost in application here. Actually, now that you say that, it is a throwaway line, but Kid Loki does make a joke about that specifically. Not they fight against each other, but they always turn on each other, whatever. Mm. Last episode, throwaway line, and I only heard it because I got distracted and I paid attention to what was going on the TV. Like, it is so so <laughs> minuscule that you would miss it. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, I definitely miss that. But I think that's the point is like, they're, 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 the focus is a bit weird, right? Like, um, Again, if the conceit is we're externalizing Loki's conflict throughout this this multiversal war, that's fine. But then they're they're spending so much time trying to redeem Loki, not enough time on Loki as villain, which I think is kind of back to your initial point when we first started this episode, is that this Loki is not the Loki from the 2012 movie. It is the Loki who died. And that's what they're shooting for. And they picked the wrong setup to introduce this character back into the Lokis. If they had picked him, like right before he dies, they pull him out of the multiverse. And that's why it's very, so you're supposed to be dead, but you're not. That could have been a very easy way to do the exact same thing. 
and then he's been through all the character arc, and now he's confronting himself where he, which, who didn't go through any of that character developments. This could have been a much stronger series from top to bottom, and then slightly tweak Sylvie. You know, like I, I feel like if they'd flipped their their motivations, and Sylvie's like, okay, I want to destroy the TVA. Being in control of it is, I can destroy it just as easily, and make her be the one that wants power or, or is willing to exceed the power that would have given her something to do at least it would have been a little boring but at least it would give her something to do but literally she she's just i want to murder this guy at the beginning of this episode and her nothing changes the whole time is basically her just killing time it's okay can i kill him now can i kill him she might as well be sitting in the corner going i want to murder him let's stop talking so i can murder him <laughs> uh and then she gets to murder him. And then we're supposed to be shocked by the fact she murders him. It's like she's been telling us all she wanted to do with the entire episode. Yeah. Um, so it's uh And the part is that's her entire motivation. And it's not about the lives they destroyed, because knowing what she she knows that potentially if she kills him, it's gonna destroy countless other lives. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that motivation for her. it's mm. ah. right. Um and as a result of all of this, even if we take off the table that all of these Lokis are meant to be manifestations of Loki's own inner conflict, um, our the, the protagonist Loki, the protagonist Loki, protagonist Loki's viewpoints don't make sense in this episode because all the way up to this has been like me trying to rule the universe got me nothing but pain, so I'm I'm no longer following that. That was his arc in character episode one. At this episode, it's like, well, if I was in charge, maybe I could make things better. And it's like, but that was the lesson you learned five episodes ago. <laughs> so now, not only did you have a really rushed character arc in episode one, but you've forgotten it by episode six. Because that's what the plot demands. Yeah. Again, if they had just switched those, if if Protectors Loki had been like, no, I need to kill this guy because I know, I know, I know what this kind of meddling leads to. I've seen it. So we have to stop it. And Sylvia going, you know, I thought maybe if we were in charge, maybe I can save all those lives. That would have been, have every, all, all the payout be exactly the same. But it would have been a marching conflict. It would have given Sylvie something to do. It would have can be consistent with Loki's character arc. But because they had to, they can't have our protagonist Loki kill somebody. You have this pass backwards resolution that on top of it means that he who remains ultimately is a guy in a room. You know, the, the big bad of the show, his crime is going, maybe maybe we should, you know, keep the timeline together, but I'm going to do it from this room. We had never seen him before this episode. And he's now established <laughs> to be like, this is the person that we should we should hate. I literally never saw this guy until I walked into the room. He's cool. I love his energy. <laughs> but why should I care that he's dead? Because I just met him 40 minutes ago. But you should want him dead because he controls the TVA and the TVA has killed untold billions of jillions of universes. Right. But aside from Miss Minutes at the beginning, there's nothing connecting the two. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, like, so it's it's just a mess. Um, any, any closing thoughts on Loki? I, I think people get a sense that I can't speak for you, but Loki was not my favorite of the sh- MCU MCU TV shows that we've seen so far. This was a show that when we talked about watching it and you're like, I have issues with it. It's like, Oh, this is going to be an interesting conversation because I remember really liking it. And so it's going to be interesting to see where we differ. And then I watched it again. And it's like, actually, I don't think I liked this show as much as I thought I did. Um, and 
in a way that makes it the most Loki show ever because <laughs> I was so sucked in by the charisma of the cast. To, and I was the illusion that this show is really good pointed me away from actually, wait a minute, this show is junk <laughs> <laughs> because Loki tricked me into liking this show. <laughs> It, it got really high ratings, though. Everyone says that it's their favorite MCU TV show. And this is WandaVision Erasure. WandaVision is way better. Um, but, I mean, I could see why, right? Like, I, I, like, in isolation, looking at individual scenes, remembering certain scenes, moments, again, from a charisma, if you measure the charisma of this cast, it is by far the most charismatic cast. There are tons of MCU and comic book references. It's fun. It's got a lot of great, hit, funny moments. Um, it's each episode in isolation. You can imagine the series around it and really loving that series. The problem is when you actually do watch them in this compressed format, you realize it's like three or four different shows. They all kind of get muddled together in your head and say, oh, yeah, I like all of those shows. Therefore, I like this show. <laughs> and that's not really what happens. It's the – I don't know what this show is. I like the bits I see, but it doesn't actually end up being a show. Is it an exploration of Loki as a character and going from villain to antihero? Is it a time travel television show? Is it a story of revenge? Is it a story about the multiverse? The answer is no. What it is is that everyone loves Tom Hiddleston. We want to put him in the lead of a show. And also we have to set up the next um, Doctor Strange movie. And this is the second part of this Doctor Strange movie setup. So you get a checklist of things and this show dutifully checks all the things off the list but doesn't actually make anything out of it. So it's frustrating because i do want to love this show right but all of this is not even going into the 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 horribly frustrating narrative of the casting and how it's put together um uh, uh you can't just race swap roles and go look at how we're reanalyzing this thing no it's it's still fucking terrible um it's it, it's it's a show that doesn't try anything interesting under the guise of trying to be extremely interesting. And I think that's what's so frustrating about it. <laughs> so you're right. It is the, the perfect Loki show because it did an illusion. Yeah. It's magic. Magic. Um, do you have any final closing comments for Loki other than that masterpiece that you just said about it? I, all that being said, I'm probably gonna watch season two. I'm probably gonna enjoy season two. Um, uh, but I am curious if they are thinking about recasting majors, Loki season two would be the best place to do that in. I think they've uh, already filmed all of that though. Mind you, it doesn't stop them from going in and doing some like CGI magic, but or reshooting, yeah. Um I think a uh, lot of it's they're waiting to see what happened with Ezra Miller in the Flash, I think was part of Marvel's hesitancy because people are trying to compare those two and they're not the same at all. They're vastly yeah. different, but people are obsessed with trying to make them parallel and equal. Right, right. Um, at the time of recording, I believe what has happened is that they have punted Loki 2 to uh, a few months from its original release date. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens in a few months. Uh, we'll be probably done talking about this nonsense by then. So who knows? Maybe we'll do a special. 
I don't know. But um, one of the things I heard that I definitely do not like is they want to use the actor that played the high evolutionary to now be a Kang variant. And I do not like that. I hate that on every level from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I just watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and I enjoyed it. We're not, we're not going to hear, we're going to talk about it too much. Um, but I love that actor because he also played uh, in Peacemaker. He's very much a guy that James Gunn liked to work with and just keeps bringing him in. Um, but I agree. If he becomes a Kang variant, then that undercuts that entire movie. Yep. From and, start to finish. And it removes a high evolutionary who is in themselves whew, a piece of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a lot, but it should be a separate. <laughs> They're going. That happens. I'm worried they'll go the same in the comic route, which is let's just collapse all these things into one character. And it's like no, that 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 weakens everybody. It doesn't strengthen anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, my I don't know if I watch second season really because mm-hmm. first season I managed to get through because I was so close to the end when I had my final realization realization about the entire series. Mm-hmm. And I'm not inspired. It'll depend on the casting because. Sure. With all my stuff I've already said at the top of the show, it does not make me want to watch it. And if there isn't going to be any sort of casting changes or adjustments to that, I don't want to go through more of the same. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And um, from another podcast I listened to, when they first did a, a review, their own review of Loki, they talked about how Tom Hiddleston was actually supposed to die at the end of Thor 2. Oh, where really? And he was at a convention. He went out in costume and the Marvel folks saw how he had a crowd of 10,000 people eating out of his hand. And they're mm-hmm. like, wait a second. Let's let's not get rid of that fella. He could make us some money. That's why they inserted the scene at the end of uh, Dark War with him as Odin. Somehow. I'm alive. Okay. That tracks. Voila. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. So Comic-Con is the reason why this show exists. Yeah. That explains a lot. So, so Eddie... Now that we're leaving the TVA and that we did out of order purposely, by the way, in case folks are curious, because I think we said it last time on Hawkeye. I can't remember. It's been so long now. Uh, but Eddie is going to Eddie was going to be the person who covered Hawkeye because my Hawkeye talk would have been all about trick arrows. You wouldn't have got even <laughs> cool info you got. I will Punching talk about arrows. that putty arrow and that boomerang arrow <laughs> to the end of time. You will defend the USB arrow. Damn straight. Um, so. What can people expect next time? Can they expect the Mockingbird show? Can they expect the New Warriors, Night Thrasher, um, Moonstone? What about? I could keep going. I, I, I know. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm curious how deep you go in this. No, but no. Um, after uh, watching how Marvel tastefully handles the enslavement narrative, we're going to move into how they handle mental illness. Uh, we're going to watch Moon Knight. Uh, Moon Knight's uh, episode one, The Goldfish Problem, episode four, The Tomb, and episode five, Asylum. If folks are looking for you online or they want to buy some of your sweet, sweet merch, where can they go? Uh, best place to find me these days is at my website, which is pugstaty.com. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-T-Y. I do have accounts on uh, dice.camp, and right now I have an account on Blue Sky, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, but really the best way to find me is on the uh, Darker Hue Discord where it, at this day, honestly, it's me and Chris going, hey, look at the latest Big Finish sale going on right now. And if you're looking for me, uh, I also have a Blue Sky, which for some reason I occasionally post on too. I'm still on Dice Camp. I'm still hanging out on the dumpster file that is Twitter. But as Eddie, I think, has 
I left Twitter, I think, after a previous no, post. No, I'm still there, but I have posted a thread basically saying it is now when, not if. Um, Twitter has officially gone too far. Um, it's, it's going too far for a while, but yeah. honestly, just uh, I'm, I'm pretty much done with Twitter. So be, um, at some point, I'll be leaving it. So if you want to follow me there, it'll be kind of briefly, I suppose. But I, w- I will likely be following suit to, to my co-host. Uh, otherwise, if you're looking for my stuff, you can find it at my website, darkerstudios.com. But if you're really looking to talk to us, come join the Discord. You will learn about Big Finish specials. You'll also get the occasional talk about obscure superheroes and very rare moments, a bunch of Star Trek memes that I pull offline because they're hilarious to me that no one else finds funny. Yes, yes. Um, but until then, next time, we will talk about uh, the, fish of, the Fist of Kanshu. That's Noon Night. Catch you later. Be seeing you. <laughs>